Ephesians chapter number 4 and verse number 1. The Bible said, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that ye walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called. And he goes on to say, with all lowliness and meekness, with long-suffering, forbearing one another in love, enduring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is but one body. Say that with me. There is one body. And say it with me. One Spirit, even as ye are called, say it with me, into one hope of your calling. Verse 5, one Lord. Verse 5, one faith. Five again, one baptism. I like this in verse number 6. One God. Amen. Goes right there. there. Listen, we're living in a generation, we're living in a day and hour where they're all, it, it, just whatever you feel like doing, whoever you feel like following, whatever you want to believe, if you're a good person, we're all going to go to heaven. That's not the truth tonight. The truth is there is but one God. One God and one mediator, one middleman between God and men, and it is the man, Christ Jesus the Lord. Verse number 6, And Father of all, who is above all, and through all, and in you all. I like that. That's a, that's a good message in itself. He said there's one God and Father of all, who is above all. We ought to shout right there. And through all. We ought to shout again. But listen, this is the best part. And in you all. Verse number 7, But unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Wherefore he saith, when he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. And now that he ascended, what is it but that he also descended first into the lower parts of the earth? He that descended is the same also that ascended up far above all heavens that he might fill all things. Verse 11, And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting. Why did God do those things? For the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ till we all come in the unity of the faith. If God will help me uh, tonight, I want to try to spring on, go forward and preach on that thought, the power of unity. Please pray with me and for me tonight. Lord, we do thank you, God, for one more uh, opportunity, Lord, to be in your house. Thank you, Lord, uh, for sending your only begotten Son to die, uh, Lord, in my place and take my sin, Lord, and uh, redeem me, Lord, through and by uh, the blood of the darling Lamb of God. Oh, thank you, Lord, uh, God, for being kind and merciful to me, Lord, gracious uh, to me throughout my life. I pray tonight, God, that you'd help me preach the Word of God. Oh, Lord, I cannot preach on my own. And so, God, please help me tonight. Lord, I ask you for that unction and, God, the power, Lord, that only you can give. And, God, for what you do in me and through me and, Lord, and for me and those gathered here tonight, Lord, I'll be careful to thank you and praise you and lift your name up and give you all the honor for what's done. Lord, help us, please, and we'll thank you in Jesus' name and for his sake and all of God's people said, Amen and Amen. There is 
power in unity. May I say tonight, if we've ever lived in a day and hour of division, that hour would be the day and hour in which we are currently living. Can I say, my friend, this world is divided, always has been, but my friend, the church is divided. How many of y'all know just over the last couple of years, all it took was a new virus to hit the air and next thing you know, this church don't approve of the way that church and these people don't approve the way the pastor and next I mean that's all it took was one little sidestep one little curveball and we found out not what we were going to be but what we'd had been for a long time I know I've got a lot of good pastor friends and they're amazed that the people that's folded and tucked tail and buckled down and and, and left and, and fled the church they're amazed but you know what God's done he's not he's revealed uh, who they really were to begin with uh, can I say division uh, division is no has no place in the house of God it has no place in the faith it has no place between God and the spirit or the fellowship between God and man uh, but my friend there is a remedy uh, we see it this morning I'll not re-preach it but I want to say Paul gives us a threefold book of ingredients, if you will, a recipe for unity in the church. Number one, we said in verse number one and verse number two, we must be willing to forbear one another, to put up with one another. He said, with all lowliness and meekness, with long suffering, forbearing one another. Look here, in love. I said it this morning, you're not always going to like everybody you go to church with, but you ought to love them. Somebody say amen. I, I'm trying to tell you not, I'm thankful. I'm not always happy with the way things go and the way things turn out. I mean, people will fail you and people will let you down and people will mislead you. Somebody help me. Uh, people will uh, do you wrong, but my friend, uh, if you'll get your eyes on the prize. Uh, hey, get your vision looking uh, to the hills from whence cometh our help. Uh, you can overcome people uh, when you see the prize. Hallelujah. I'm glad. Thank God I'm not doing what I'm doing tonight uh, for me or for you. Uh, but I remember the day on July the 13th uh, uh, when God called me uh, into the ministry and put it in my heart uh, uh, to preach the word of God. I want to be that one that it's willing to forbear to keep the unity. I've had to forbear some things in order to keep the unity in the church. Number two, we said you must be willing to forgive one another. Verse number 32 of Ephesians 4. Look quickly. Verse number 32 of Ephesians 4. Be ye kind one to another. We could have revival in our churches if we just get that down. We don't have that problem here that I know of. And I hope we never do. Be kind one to another. And we have had a few instances where people were unkind. You know what Brother Josh done? Right. Right in front of the whole church. Y'all don't know how many of that going to go. I said, this ain't going to fly. Amen. 
Come on, somebody. I mean, hey, hey, I didn't sign up for this, but God's equipped me to do the job. Amen. I'm trying to tell you tonight that we've got to forgive one another. We've got to forbear one another. You've got to put up with some things you don't like. Life's not about you. Life's not about you. And life's not about me tonight. We're Christians. We've been redeemed. We've been regenerated. We've been going. Hey, we've been saved from hell. We've been put from the gutter and put into the uttermost. I'm trying to tell you, get over some things and press on for the cause of Christ. Forbear, forgive. That forgive business is a lot easier preached than lived. Amen. Help me right there. But we ought to forgive one another. How we do that? Well, in verse number 32, he said, forgiving one another even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. Now I want to know, I want to know, is there anybody here tonight? Just raise your hand. Now I'm going to warn you ahead of time. If you raise your hand, I'm going to have to take a minute and talk to you. But if there's anybody here that deserve the forgiveness of God, would you please raise your hand up? I knew they'd be one, son. Anybody? I deserve that. We didn't deserve a thing. Not one thing did we deserve. We didn't deserve His forgiveness. You know what the problem is why we don't want to forgive? Because we look at that person, you know what we say? They don't deserve my forgiveness. They got what they ain't got nothing to deserve for me to have to forgive them. They, they, they've not even made an attempt. Let me say something tonight. Did you know that Christ died for every single one of you long before, long before you trusted in Him? Uh, when He was on the cross, it was you and me on His mind. Uh, he died for you. He forgave you. He took your pain and took your punishment and took your penalty long before you ever made one step. Up towards Calvary. Quit waiting on everybody else to do their part and grow up, sign up, hey, enlist, be a Christian and do your part and forgive one another. Forgive one another. Then we see not only is there forbearing one another, forgiving one another, but we're to be fitly joined together one to another. In verse number 11 through verse number 16, I'm not going to read it all. But I want you to look with me, if you would, in verse number. Look, look, just look at number twelve. He said, "For the he gave us apostles and all that." Verse eleven, and then he said, "For the perfecting of the saints." Why did God listen? You want to know why God's give you a preacher to complete His work, the ministry that He has left. We're going to look back to it in John chapter 17. But God, when the Lord Jesus left this world and ascended back to His Father, and He said, I'm going away for now, but I will come again and receive you unto Myself, that where I am there you may be also. Listen, the, the ministry didn't stop. It just began. You know what He's left us to do? The same thing He was doing. Forgive people that don't need deserve forgiveness. Love people that don't 
deserve love. Show them what it is to be a Christian and live the Christ-centered, Spirit-filled life. Can I say tonight that in order for you and I to experience unity in these four walls and unity in the hearts and in and out of each of our hearts, we must be fitly joined together in the body. The Bible said in verse 12, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Uh, you know what unity brings? It brings edifying to the body. At verse 13, it said, Till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. Verse 14, that we look here now, look at your Bible. Ephesians 4, 14, that we henceforth uh, be no more children tossed to and fro. Listen to me, somebody at some point in their life has just got to stand up and make the decision at, like Joshua said in Joshua 24, 15. As for me and my house, we will. It's not an option. We will serve the Lord. Whether the church is going good or whether things are bad, whether the people's for me or whether they're against me, whether the money's in the bank or it's not, whether my health is where it ought to be or it's somewhere down in a low place, we must determine that we will not be tossed to and fro. In order to keep unity. Look here. And carried about with every. What's that next word? Wind of. Are y'all looking at your Bibles? Henceforth be no more children. Your mom and daddy ever tell you growing up? You ain't a baby. You ain't a child no more son. You ain't a baby. Quit acting like one. Grow up. How many of y'all got daddies like mine? Grow up, boy. Come on, somebody. Put away childish things. That's the Bible. He said we be henceforth no more children tossed to and fro and carried about right here, right here with every wind of doctrine by the slate of men and cunning craftiness. Let me tell you something about people that 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 uh, the devil allows to come, or the devil places or however you want to put it, or they just come into our lives to to disrupt unity. Let me tell you something. They don't walk in with a red flag hanging off their neck saying, "I'm a discord sower." Help me, somebody. I know, I know we just talked about some of this stuff on Wednesday night, but that's God's business, not mine. Help me, sir. Help me right there. They don't come up, the devil don't approach you. I know Hollywood's painting a picture of a short little red man with horns and a pitchfork. And, he, and that's not how he approaches you. And that's not how his works get in our lives. That's not how his devices and detours and disruptions make their way in the church. These things, these people are cunning. They're subtle. They're sly. They're sneaky. And bless God, they're the devil. When they come in and try Try to disrupt what God has done. Listen to me, still water. We must stand and fight to keep the unity in this place. Unity. He said they are cunning, crafty, and craftiness. Whereby they lie. Look here. In wait. Can I tell you something about predators? They ain't stupid. If predators were stupid, they'd starve to death. Y'all, I, I deal hunting different things, so I've seen this just out, just out in the woods. Not too long ago, I killed a 
killed coyote. I was deer hunting. Been sitting on deer that day, but I seen a coyote. And it came out the edge of the field. I barely seen it. It was sneaking through that grass. And it hunkered down and it just sat there for a long time. I thought, what is that thing doing? And all of a sudden, I know where it jumped, looked like six feet, and pounced on something and ate it. It seen what it wanted down yonder in the field and it, it, it waited. It laid in wait till it got close enough to pounce on. Are you? Is anybody following me? Yeah. You tell you what the devil will do to, to different unity. He'll let things get closer than they ought to. He'll bring things and allow them to get closer and closer and closer. And then all of a sudden, when he's got us where he wants us, he comes in for the kill. That's how all predators are. Foxes. Coyotes, snakes. You know, you know a snake just don't take off flying down through a field and try to pick up a mouse. It slithers, and it'll find one, it'll wait. It'll sneak. That's what the devil does, deeply. And he's good. Are y'all listening to me? I'm gonna get back preaching and say, I'm still preaching. He's good at what he does. He's good. He's good at what he does. And he's seeking. He's a predator. He's seeking whom he may devour. We must be fitly joined together. The Bible said in verse 15, speaking the truth in love. You want to know what a unified church more than anything? Truth. You want to know what brings people together? Let me ask you, how'd you get here? How'd you become? I mean, is there anybody here that say, I'm a part of this church and I love my church family? Anybody? Okay, just about 20% of you. Now how in the world did Josh Griffith from Gatliffe get to Stillwater Baptist Church in London by my own decisions, my own work, something I figured out, figured in. Mm -mm. You know how I got here? Same way you got here. The Lord. The truth. The truth. There's one thing that's brought us together. You want to know how you got saved and you talked about it? I'm glad I didn't start off the wrong way and I got in the right thing the right the first time. And you want to know how you're here? Truth. 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 Some that came, went, and came back. Why is that? Couldn't get over the truth. It unifies. Listen to me. This mentality of that book divides is wrong. That book does not divide. It unifies. Amen. But those who reject the book, right. that's where you get your division. Amen. Are you listening? Yes. I'm going to show you in the Scriptures right here in just a moment that doctrine does not divide. Amen. It unifies. That's the only, brother, that's whatever common ground. Uh, uh, spirits on a spiritual level, we're, we're ambassadors of Christ, we're servants of the cause, we're soldiers in His army, we're children and, and sheep and of His flock and His fold. How, what else do we have? What common denominator do we have outside of the truth? Spiritually speaking, we have none. We have none. Brother Jim, you don't know why you're here? You've said it many times. Because the book's preached. Truth. Truth. Doctrine. Truth does not divide. It unifies. I'm going to show that to you. Look in verse 16 of Ephesians 4. From 
from whom the body, the whole body, fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth according to the effectual working in the measure of every part maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. That's why Paul says this. Doctrine unifies. You know this, but I'm going to say it anyways. Paul says this in Romans chapter 16, verse 17 and 18. He said, Now I beseech you, brethren, mark them which cause divisions and offenses. Listen. Listen to me. I beseech you, brethren, mark them which call... Listen to the listen to every word I'm saying. This is your Bible. Romans 16, 17. Mark them which cause... Which cause... Have I taught you all to read your Bible? Word by word. Line by line. Precept by precept. Listen. He said, mark them which cause divisions. Let me tell you something. Division don't just pop up. Division's created. Well, if he hadn't said that, I wouldn't have said what I said. You could have responded the right way and there would have been no cause for division. Come on, somebody. We're, we're, we're living in that generation that points the finger. It's everybody's fault but ours. I understand that. But somebody's just got to realize that it is our fault. If that book says it, it's right. And we have nothing we can say or do to dispute it. Mark them which cause divisions and offenses. Right here. Right here. Contrary to the doctrines which ye have learned and avoid them. For they that are such serve not our Lord Jesus Christ but their own bellies and by good words and fair speeches deceive the hearts of the simple. You don't know why we stand so firm on this book? Because if you'll get this book in you and you get in that book and this thing's alive in your heart, you know what's going to happen? You're going to, you've got a whole lot better chance of standing and staying and remaining and surviving and wearying and weathering the storms. Amen. Doctrine does not divide. It unifies. Amen. You know why you're sitting here tonight? There's only one reason that you would come to this church. Because you agree and support and live and have been indoctrinated to believe, walk, trust, and obey the doctrines of the Word of God. And if you're not here for that reason, I've got a real serious question tonight. Why are you here? I mean, that's simple but deep. That's deep. It's simple but it's deep. If you don't agree with this book that we preach, that we live, that we say you should live and you should preach with your life, if you don't agree with God's Word and what we preach and teach from the book, I got a serious, really, I do. And I want you to ask yourself this question. Why are you here? Well, the fact is, should be, you are here because the doctrine has not divided. It's unified. It's brought you, you know what you've seen? You've seen this book unfold. It's been proved, tried in your life and proven. Oh, yes. True. Somebody on the going to have to help you. Why is it, brother? You know this world thinks we're crazy. They think we're crazy. I mean, after Sunday, they see your car start up at 8 o'clock in the morning with a frost on. They can't understand it. Every Sunday night, you have to go back and they, and 
Let's see you come in knowing you got work on Monday. And then we got revival. Let's see you come in and, and jump in the chair for five minutes, grab a donut, and run back out and you do that. By Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and then on Saturday. You know we got to get things ready for Sunday. You come back. Then you drag back in on Sunday. And they're thinking, my God, what in the world is these people doing? And then they see the cancer comes to your home. Then they see that your marriage has trouble. Then they see that your kid gets to the wayside and out of the will of God, but still yet, at 8 o'clock on Sunday morning, they see your door start out. And they see you walk out with your dress on and they have your suit coat on. And you go back down to the church house and they see your storms come and your storms go. What is it that keeps you in the unity of the faith? It's one thing the B-I-B-L-E. Yes, that's the book for me. I'll stand upon the word of God. That's why we keep coming. Because isn't it amazing? How many of y'all's here? You come in one day, might not have been salvation. She come in one day, weighed down. Oh Lord, weighed down with the cares of this whole world. Some little short, husky. Preacher stood up and read you. Listen, you know the fire's not in me. It's not. But it's in that word. Amen. And I begin to read and something. Begin to stir in your soul. Oh my. You got help here that you couldn't get watching Dr. Phil. Somebody yeah. say amen. You got help here that you couldn't get taking nerve pills and Prozac. You got you got help here uh, that, that, that no marriage counseling session could have provided your children. Got help here uh, that nobody uh, no no Ritalin uh, could, can do for your children. No Ritalin, no pills, no nothing can do for your children. What the Word of God can do for them. I'm trying to tell you can't not enough eyes and cross enough peace and to make it through life on your own. You better fight hell if you've got to fight it with a water pistol to keep your family in unity with the Bible believing. Holy Ghost option us. Hell, hating heaven, and desire. Thank God. Send the beauty Bible believing Baptist church. You better fight every devil that crosses your way. To stay a little here. Too many people quit right before. I, I don't remember who told me this. I just heard it. Probably somebody here. I don't know. But I'm going to tell some of y'all. I ain't going to tell everything right because I remember it all. But somebody was telling a story or a book or something. Said there was a major operation going on somewhere overseas or something. And there were gold diggers. And they were supposed to hit this big mine of gold. And I reckon they spent lots of time there and they dug and they dug and they dug and they dug. And, I, and they changed, they changed over here and they dig and dig. Then they changed over here and they dig and dig. And finally they dug their last big pit trying to strike gold and they dug and dug and dug and said, you know what? We've been out here for however long it was. We dug and dug and dug. There's no way. There's no gold. I quit. I give up. And they put every machine they had up, up for sale. They put all the property up. They sold the pits and the mines and said, whoever wants it, you can have it. We dug and dug and dug and dug and never struck gold. They sold all they had. Somebody come in and bought it. Listen to me. When they come in, they went to one of them old pits that they had already been working. Right. And they dug three more feet. Three more feet. 
And guess what happened? They got down three feet deeper. And they seen that pretty gold, shiny substance. You know what they, they found? That whole place was nothing but gold. Three feet shy, didn't it? Are you with me? I wonder who it is tonight that you're going to quit digging three feet shy of hitting gold. Yeah, uh-huh. Huh? There's gold for you to find. There's victory. Some of y'all, I know. I know. I wish the seagulls were here tonight. That's a perfect prime example. But there's people in here tonight. You prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and feel like, my God, I prayed, I've done, I've done, I've done. I've not seen the first sign of gold. But as soon as you quit, neighbor, you better know you might only been three feet from hitting gold. I'm trying to encourage you tonight. I'm just trying to keep unity between one another and unity with God. You may just be a few more services, hallelujah, away from getting the victory you're praying for, for seeing the miracle you're asking for, for getting the peace you're begging for. Just stay faithful to the unity of the faith. Now, if I could, I'm going to go back to John 17. I'm going to try to preach this quickly. I've only been preaching 28 minutes. All right? I've only been preaching 28 minutes. i got a whole lot more I could say and want to say, but I'm not going to say. John chapter 17. Let me say this about unity. Listen quick, and I'll preach quick. You know how the church started, Brother Carlos? Started in unity. Y'all know your Bible? Acts chapter number 2, the day of Pentecost. Verse number 1. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. 1 Corinthians 14, 23. If therefore the whole church be come together in one place, it starts with unity. You know how the church goes out of here? Yeah. In unity. The Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 through 18, but I would not have you be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that are not even as others which have no hope for. If we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together, shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord wherefore comfort one another with these words we started with unity we're going to finish with unity and from the beginning to the end this thing's got to remain in unity in order for God's will to be done unity and I say tonight there's great power in unity John chapter 17 I want to give you a few practical thoughts and we'll go to the house First of all, let me say this. There's great power in unity. Number one, we see that unity has the power to impart. Unity has the power to impart. Look in verse number 21 of John 17. John chapter 17, verse number 21. If you're there, say amen. 
Now again, let's just review quickly before we read this. Jesus is praying to the, to the Father and He's praying about those who had believed then and those who would believe later, which is you and I. And here's what He says in verse 21. He's praying. He said in verse 20, let's just read verse 20, Neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on Me through their word. Look here. Verse 21, That they all may be one. There's your unity. As Thou, Father, art in Me and I in Thee, that they also may be one in us. Why? Why is unity so critical? What is the power behind unity? Verse number 21, the bottom part. That the world may believe that thou hast sent me. Isn't that powerful? Are y'all with me? Are y'all on the same scanner channel as I am? Tonight I'm trying to tell you that God right here is praying. The Lord Jesus Christ is praying a prayer. He's praying for Jasmine. He's praying for Caleb and Brandy. He's praying for everyone from Deacon. He's praying for Josh. He's praying for all everybody sitting here tonight that we be as one as He and the Father. Why? Why is unity so important? Because it has the power to impart. In part means this, to make known. You know what unity does? It makes Him known. Look at verse 21. I'm praying, He said, Father, that they all may be one, as Thou, Father, art in Me, and I in Thee, that they also may be one in us. Not just one together, but one in us. Why? Are you looking at verse 21? That the world may believe that Thou hast sent Me. You know what the Lord Jesus is praying here? God, help them to be in unity so when they get up and sweat and spit and holler and preach like a, like a wild man, that it won't just be a show or a performance. Listen to me. But that the world would believe what's being said about Me. I would say, friend, that unity has great power. Unity has the power to impart. Can I say, I'm glad to be a part of a church that's unified. Somebody going, y'all, we ain't Presbyterians. It's all right to say hallelujah and amen and glory. I said, I'm glad, thank God, to be a part of a church that's unified. Some of y'all have been in some circuses. You might as well say amen. Some of y'all have been in churches where the deacons meet in hell and runs everybody out. Have a preacher that stands in the pulpit and runs out. Some of y'all have been in churches where the women run the show and ain't nobody do nothing with them. Some of y'all have been in churches where God ain't showed up if He did. He'd stay up all the Thank God we're in a real church tonight. That's because it's unified. And if we want God to stay here and sinners to be drawn, we must remain in unity. Unity has the power to impart. Has the power to make known. You know what sinners feel when they come to church where there's unity? They feel the power and the presence and the pressure of Almighty God. Any of y'all ever remember walking in maybe this church or another church where the Lord was? You could feel the pressure of heaven weighing down on you. Huh? You was living in sin anyhow. And everybody else around you shouting and rejoicing, but you felt like you was tied down and living about to drown in a mud hole of sin. Anybody remember that feeling? 
That's because God came by your way and He had to convict you. And you had to see yourself as a no good, low down, hell deserving sinner that had no right, no way, no possible way of getting to heaven on your own. But then God didn't just pressure you, He invited you and He pardoned you. And He lifted that burden and weight of sin and self and sorrow. And He put you in the family of God. And ever since, it ought to be our determination to remain in fellowship and unity with God and one another. Unity has the power to impart or make known. Does everybody see that Christ is praying for unity in the church so that others would believe what we're preaching about? It's what it says. Can I say this? Secondly, unity has the power to implant. Look at verse 22. John 17, 22. <laughs> He's praying now for us. In verse 21, He prays that we'd be one. Why? That the world may believe that Thou hast sent me. Verse 22. Look here now. If y'all don't get happy on this, something's wrong with you, happy maker. Verse 22. Jesus. Who's praying? I'm gonna have to get, I can tell how we're going to have to approach this thing tonight and get y'all happy. Who's praying? Jesus. Who's he praying for? Uh, you know what he says in verse 22? To his Father and the glory which thou gavest me, <laughs> I have given them that they may be one even as we are You know what that word implant means? It means to set, to plant, to infix for the purpose of growth, to implant as a seed of virtue or a principle of knowledge in the minds and in the hearts and grace. In the heart, you know what he's saying here? Unity. It has the power to implant. It's got the power for the glow. Hey, oh, preachers used to preach it like this. Once you've been in the fire, you can't settle for the smoke. And some of y'all, if you're really desiring and chasing after God, you can't back up and leave. If you wanted to, you've done been in the fire too long. Get it, church ain't going to work. Dry church ain't going to work. Dry up spirituality ain't going to work. You've done seen the fire. You've done felt the glory. It's important that you remain in unity. To be set, not sit, S-I-T. Set, S-E-T. In other words, to be put into a permanent position. Yeah. You know what you got to make your mind up? I done made my mind up. Y'all know it. I ain't leaving here. Right. I don't care if everybody in here gets hair lit mad and yeah. raising cane and standing outside. The only way you're going to keep me out of that pulpit is to put a bullet between my eyes and a rock over my head with my birthday and death date on it. I ain't running. I ain't tucking tail. I ain't backing up. I'm not retreating. I'm not retiring. I'm not taking a sabbatical. I'm not, hey, I've been set. I've done seen His glory too many times. And I let the world and the pressure and the influence of the world and sin and to push me out of my place. I am not going nowhere by the glory of God. Wow, I've been in planet. He's done poured 
his glory out on me too many times. I've done seen his hand too many times. How many of y'all's here when somebody had church with me? How many of y'all's here done seen see him answer too many prayers to stop praying? Is there anybody here done seen him heal too many people to stop having faith? Is there anybody here done seen him work the impossible too many times to give up? I'm trying to tell you I've been through enough to know he'll be enough for me. I'm trying to explain it to you best I can. You must strive for unity to be in place. For the glory of God to fall upon you. Once you've been in the fire, you won't selfish. These other churches full of good people. Every preacher thinks his, his church is the best church. The difference in me and them is I don't think it. I know it. <laughs> I don't think it, Brother Carlos. I know it is. It's a good one. You know what makes a good church? Everybody's got their ideas. I'm going to tell you what the Bible says. You know, if I were to go around and say, what makes a good church a good church? You know what they'd say? Well, a good church is probably judged by the amount of people that attend. Come on. Eh. Wrong. Come on now. Oh, uh, well, I just forgot his name. Queer at the Joe, Joe Osteen. Yeah. <laughs> Smiley. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Amen. Well, Smiley's got, I don't know, 30, 40, 50, 60, 100,000 on Sundays. I got, they got 600 grand buried behind their toilets. Yeah. Are you listening? Don't make it a good church. Amen. Right. They don't have a building, they have an arena. Right. Right. Don't make it a good church. They have more programs probably to offer than me and you can even figure out. Don't make it a good church. Right. To tell you why this church is a good church, Uno, the Lord's here. That must be that must be step number one. Amen. You ever walked in church and the Lord hadn't been there about as long as half the people? Amen. Come on, somebody help me. I'm not I'm not trying to downgrade nobody. I'm just being honest. Right. I preached in places where I thought, my God, He ain't been here in a long, long time. Because me and him both felt uncomfortable when we walked in the door. Come on, somebody. Yeah. We're going to good church, good church. The Lord's here. Amen. And the people of God are a body. Yeah. How were we ever figure that we had churches and people don't even know one another's name? The pastor don't even know who's joining the church. What kind of body is that? I see it. I see it from people I preach with. And it bothers me. I seen them not there just a couple weeks ago. Right. Standing behind the baptistry, baptizing new converts and joining them, baptizing them in the joining and membership of the church. And he had to say this. I'm talking about a good preacher. If I said it, everybody in the room would know who it was. Right. I would never say or do nothing to hurt him, but it bothered me. Right. He said, now, now what's your name? <laughs> Is that where we're getting to? Yeah, right. First of all, Pastor, how in God's name are you going to disciple them and help them allow them to prosper and grow in the Lord, you don't know the name. Yeah. Right. You know what we've become? Corporations and businesses. Yeah. That's what we are. Not we are. It's what the church has become. That's right. Now, now what's your name? Say his name. Okay. So and so, who I just met as a pastor, is joining our church. I ain't even had a conversation. Yeah. 
with him. Are y'all following me? Look, listen to me. I ain't on no ego trip. I believe the Bible. I can't just let anybody and everybody join this church. Come on, somebody. I wish, I, I wish, I wish that everybody walked in the door could join. But the fact is, they can't. Why? They ain't going to live up to that standard, that covenant, in that book. Yeah. Are you listening? Yeah. You don't believe the doctrines of this church. Why well, does anybody want to join? Amen. You might as well say amen or owe me. Amen. Why would you want to be a part of a body that you already, already have opposing opinions or division? My God, I mean, what's wrong in this day and hour that people just let anything go? There's a standard. I wish everybody could, but they're not going to be able to. Right. Amen. Amen. If you can't be faithful, don't 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 sign up to be a member of the church. Right. Because when you say I want to join the church, that means joining. Yeah. That means see, did you read your Bible? Yeah. Ephesians four. They must be fitly joined together. I mean, I, I mean, I told Brother Caleb this morning, I think maybe y'all was the last ones, maybe, I think maybe to join. And I looked at both of them in their eyeballs. They'll tell you. And I said, here's, he said, what do we, what do, we do? We want to join, what do we do? I said, first of all, I need you to read our doctrinal statements. Right. I need you to know where we stand because we ain't changing. Amen. So if you don't agree, you're not going to agree now and you're not going to agree 10 years from now because we're not changing. Amen. Come on, somebody. Amen. Amen. So you need to look at that. I said, make sure all that lines up. I said, and then secondly, you've got to be willing to devote this. What I told them, ask them. I said, I don't want this to just be an on-the-fly commitment. I said, when you join this church, God may not let you live and die here, but I want that to be your determination. Yeah. Is that too much to ask? No, sir. I want you in your heart to determine by the grace of God, unless he does something. Right. I'm signing up, preacher. To serve, to fight. Oh, Lord. I need somebody to lock arms with me and fight. I'm signing up. I'm going to spend the rest of my life here serving. I'm going to get down and I'm going to wash the feet of those that don't deserve it. I'm going to forgive people who don't need to deserve to be forgiven. I'm going to give sometimes when I don't even have it to give. I'm going to walk through the fire with you, preacher. That's what it means to be a body and work in unison together. If I hurt you, hurt. If you hurt, I hurt. We fight together. We finish together. We rejoice together. We mourn together. We shout shout together. Are you listening? I'm so tired. What kind of the world did church ever get about? Well, if it don't affect me directly, I'm not going to rejoice. That's that's their problem. I mean, that's their issue. They've been praying. That don't fit. Hey, if you're a really part and compact fit to join with this local body, if Sister Geneva's prayer gets answered, it'll stir you. It'll move you. You'll rejoice with her. We're living in a day and hour. If God does something for somebody in the church, and this one over here has been waiting on him and he ain't done it. They don't rejoice with them. They get mad at him. Right. Yeah. Are you listening? Right. I'm trying to tell you that unity has power to impart. It'll make people desire to know it has power to implant. But unity has power to impact. Are you all still with me? I've only got one more of these, I think. 
Unity has power to impact. Look at verse 23. I'm almost done. John 17, verse 23. <clears throat> Jesus is praying. He said, I am them, and thou in me, that thou, or excuse me, that they may be made perfect in one, and that the world may know that thou hast sent me. And look here, look here. The world might know that you've sent me and loved them as thou hast loved me. You know what unity has the power to do? Impact the world. Impact somebody. You don't know what we're supposed to be? We're supposed to be children of God that love one another. We love one another. You know what he said? If you have unity, it's unity. It's a unity that has the power to impact people. The world will not only believe that you sent me to die for them, but they'll also know that I love them because of the love that the people have shown them through and by yeah. unity. Yeah. That's the power to impact. You want to know what's going to draw all those people that's in your family that ain't want to have nothing to do with God? You want us to draw them to repentance? The love of God that not just lives in you, but is shown from within you. Amen. I'm talking about when something comes up at Christmas, at Christmas dinner, about somebody who's done your family wrong. Are you listening? Talked about your mama, stole from your daddy, got you fired from a job, right. whatever it is. When you, when you don't say nothing bad about them, you just say, well, the best thing we can do for them is pray for them. The, the Lord loves them. Your family ain't going to say it, but you know what you just did to every single one of them when you respond that way instead of buying in and talking and getting mad and cussing somebody and ain't even sitting there? Come on, somebody. When you respond like Jesus would, you put every one of them under condition. Amen. People don't like that. But you know what? Over time, what it'll show them? Man, he loves people more than I do. I wonder why. You know why we love people? Not because we like them. I love people I don't necessarily like. You might as well say amen. I love people I don't necessarily like. Do you want to know why I love them? This is the God's own truth, Sister Matt. I can't help it. Have y'all, am I only Christian feels like that? I've wanted to get mad, blow up, cut somebody off and cut their throat and let them bleed out like they have me. Are you listening? Anybody ever just been cut open and left wounded? They walked off, didn't care? I'm talking about, I'm talking about I, I didn't know about this term until I started pastoring. I'm talking about Real life church hurt situations. Right. Mm -hmm. There's so many people that sitting at the house today, right? Because somebody they loved and were loyal to in the church came yeah. up, yeah. Stop yeah. and they bled out, and the church stepped back and watched them. Yeah, didn't offer no help. Come on. Or what about this? Any of y'all? You might as well stop trying to be religious tonight. Any of y'all ever done something you knew you weren't supposed to do and brought shame, not just to you and your family and the Lord, but to the church? Got in some kind of sin? Uh oh. Water's rising. Uh -huh. Can you feel that? Yeah. Let me tell you something. I won't never condone it. I won't never justify it. But if you'll respond right and deal with your sin and repent of it, you've got my word. I'm going to do everything I can 
to restore you. That's right. And bring you into the reconciliation, the restoration, right. not just with the church, but with Christ. That's my job. Oh, yeah. There's people here that you messed up. Thank you, Lord. You got in sin, and it's your fault. It's your fault. But away was drove. But somewhere in the line, in the heart of somebody in the church, and the church didn't respond the right way. Right. Instead of offering you reconciliation, restoration, pushed you away. Yeah. You're hurt still. You're still you're in church tonight, but you're still hurt about that. Okay, what you're gonna have to do? You're gonna forgive them. Yeah. Are you listening? Right. You'll have to. Why? It ain't hurt nobody but me. You're wrong. Amen. I don't know why I have to tell stuff like this, personal stuff. I had to look at my daddy just a couple weeks ago and tell him, Dad, you're hurting my ministry. Some of y'all gave me a funny look right there. You see, you're going to hurt me and the church. You hurt my ministry if you don't deal with this. Some kind of sin? Was he drinking? No. Was it some kind of sin? No. Bitterness towards somebody else that had done me wrong. Not even that hurt him or harmed him had done me wrong. And he still had that bitter feeling. Yeah. That bitterness in his heart. Right. You know, I told him, I said, Daddy, I know I'm your son. And, that, and that, that means probably a little something different than if it being you. I understand that. I said, but what you don't understand is you're not helping me. My heart harboring feelings against these people to hurt me. Why do you say that, preacher? I need my daddy to be on the front lines. Yeah, I need my daddy to have a clear heart and a clear conscience. I need my daddy to be able to say, I'm in perfect unity with God. Yeah. But you better hear me. As long as he holds on to that bitterness, he will not ever have pure perfect unity with God. Amen. Which means he cannot have pure perfect unity with his church. Amen. Are you listening? This is pastoral preaching that's going to help you get out of the gutter and go on for God. Amen. I don't care what they say about you. Thank God 1 John 1 9 still says if we confess our sins. Yeah. He is faithful and just Amen. to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all. Anybody know what all means? Unrighteousness. You know what they call us? They call us the grace abusers and the easy believism and the, all that because we believe in grace and repentance. Yeah, right. I believe. I don't believe that because we believe in eternal security that you you get saved just live however you want. That ain't why. That ain't what I believe. Amen. And anybody else that believes that don't believe the Bible like I believe the Bible. Amen. That's not what eternal security is. You know what eternal security is? You are saved and kept through and by the power of the blood and the hand of God. You've been scripted in his palms. You've been put in the land of the light. Your soul has been cut away, separated, circumcised from this man, the flesh man, the spirit man. Your soul's been redeemed, regenerated, born again, separated, sanctified, and sealed. Thank God. Under the day of redemption. And Paul said, we ought not take grace and use it for the occasion of the flesh. God brought me in. I believe once you're saved, you are a new creature in Christ. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. Amen. 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 
people that just say their little one, two, three, flip me into the tree. I love Lord Jesus, amen, get me saved, and still go out and drink, party, have premarital sex, and do whatever they want to do. Hey, are you listening? I'm still preaching, and just live however they want to live, and they're all going to sing good my God, hold hands, eat cotton candy, and cross over the rainbow, get a brick road, and sit around the hippie throne of Jesus. I believe that crowd will bust hell wide right open. But somebody that's really been born again will not use grace for the occasion of the flesh, but will see the need of fellowship and unity to be restored. People that lived like that never got saved in the first place. Are you listening? That's what I believe. So many times people label us because we believe in eternal security. They label us that we believe you can just get saved and live however you want. Hogwash. And that offends me. Because that's not what that Bible says. Oh yeah, you don't hear me say that much. How many of y'all have ever heard me say that? That offends me, but it does. You're bothering me. Yeah. If you're going to put me in that crowd, you're going to bother me. Amen. Because I care too much about the blood that was shed on Calvary than to be labeled with that crowd that you just do whatever you want. No. I believe you've got to strive to keep unity. Look here. Fellowship. Right. You don't work for sonship. Right. But tell y'all something, I had to do one blessed thing to be my daddy's son. Amen. Amen. Either he or mom or somebody done all the work. Help me right there. I don't have a thing in the world to do with it. Yeah. Are you there? Are you listening? Yeah. I don't have a thing on God's green earth That's to right. do with that. You didn't have nothing to do with salvation yeah. other than accepting it. Yes, sir. It's a free gift. Free. I'm not a son by choice to him, but I am a son by choice to him. Yeah. I chose to accept him when I did. He, y'all know that term born again is still in your Bible, don't you? I was birthed in the family of God. Guess what? I can't never undo here. My birth. If I can't do my undo my natural birth, what in God's name thinks you can undo the spiritual one? That's right, preacher. You can't undo it. You can break fellowship. There's some things I can do that my daddy would disown me for, I think. Yeah. I do. You'd have to. I mean, there are some lines that I cross. that have to say, son, you're my son. I don't want you. Get away from me. Amen. God forbid, but that is a possibility. Yeah. Yeah. But at the end of the day, I still got his blood. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Go with me. His last name is still tacked on to the end of mine. Yes, sir. That's my last name. Amen. I'm what is this unity between us together and then us to God? What does that do? It impacts people. Right. They believe us. Lastly, we'll go home. Some of y'all have been waiting on that. Unity has the power to import. I-M-P-O-R-T. Import. Look at verse 24. Unity. Give me just a few minutes here. We'll go home. Unity has the power to import. Verse 24, the Bible said, Father, I will that they also whom thou hast given me be with me where I am. 
that they may behold my glory, which thou hast given me. For thou lovest me before the foundation of the world. Who's he praying for? Praying for us. Look what he says in his prayer about us in verse 24. Father, I will that they also whom thou hast given me be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory. Unity has the power to import. You know what the word import means? It means to bring from a foreign country. <laughs> Some of y'all slow on the draw or ain't listening. One. Import means to bring from a foreign country. To bring in from a foreign country. Last I checked, I was born. I was not born a citizen of heaven. I was not born a child of God. I was not born a member of the family of God. I was not born a S-O-N son to Christ or to God the Father. I was born a stranger to that land. But something happened when I got born again. I became a stranger to this old world. Help me somebody. And I became a fellow citizen. Hey, my home. My, my address changed the day I got in the family of God and I got in unity and fellowship with God and I one day will be imported I will cross over the border into 